Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. Psalm 110, Psalm 110, just a short little passage of Scripture, but oh how important. Uh, The New Testament, as the preacher has alluded, uses this psalm again and again and again for several different reasons, proving several different things. Psalm 110. I believe we ought to read it. Amen. I'll read it and I'll invite you to follow along, if you will. Uh, notice it is a Psalm of David. Uh, a lot of times we get uh, more information than that. A lot of David's Psalms give us the historical setting, not this one. A Psalm of David. But it's about somebody greater than David. Right. Amen. It's about uh, the son of David. Right. Amen. I believe it's about the Lord Jesus. Amen. Look at verse 1. The Lord, y'all want to stand while I read it? You don't have to, and if you choose not to, it's all right. This first verse is a conundrum in a way. The Lord said unto my Lord. We got the Lord talking to the Lord here. Amen. And uh, both are capitalized. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. And then the infamous verse 3 that the preacher found someone puzzling over. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. In the beauties of holiness. Isn't that a lovely, lovely phrase? In the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of thy youth. I believe when we next see the Lord, he's not going to look like an old man. Amen. Thou hast the dew of thy youth. Verse 4. The Lord has sworn... And will not repent. Thou art a priest after, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. Sounds a little rough, doesn't it? Yes, sir. 
he shall wound the heads over many countries. Then look what he does. He shall drink of the brook in the way, and therefore shall he lift up the head. Amen. That's beautiful. Yes, sir. I don't know if we can decipher it, interpret it like I want to, but we're sure going to have an enjoyable time trying. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for. Thank you for standing. How many of you believe I just read the Word of God? Yes, sir. Amen. <clears throat> I know it's trite. We, we wear it out, maybe divinely inspired. God breathed, inerrant, without mistake. But there are a lot of places you have to say that. You have to establish that fact, not here, thank the Lord. I'm interested now in what the psalm says, but I'm also interested tonight in how it says it. Uh, let me try to word that better than I just did. Not only what is the Holy Spirit saying to us, but I want to show you how he how he said it, how he, how he, and I don't know, I'm, I'm struggling for how he built this song. Anybody believe God does everything decently and in order? Yes, right. And I believe that is illustrated in this passage of Scripture. I came across something this afternoon. It's been a busy day. We ended a meeting last night in um, a city called Hiram, Georgia, west of Atlanta. And uh, then a day of driving, rain, hard rain at times, really. And uh, this was evening meditation day, so they recorded that and uh, uh, got it on the you know, Facebook and, 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 and YouTube. And, and uh, not as much study time as I wanted. Boy, the Lord showed me some sweet things this afternoon about how the psalm is built. It is called alternation. I don't know that's the most important word of the evening. Alternation. And I've just got to show you. Uh, I hope I can show you. It is in my heart to show you. We're going to look, first of all, at the first three verses. I wish, I wish this was much larger. What God has uttered, God says something in verse 1. What God's going to do, God's going to do something in verse 2. And what God's going to do deals with some enemies, with some enemies. And then there's a little bit of refreshment, a little time of refreshing for our Lord. That's verse 3. And by the way, the refreshing, the dew. Amen. The dew. Dew is refreshing. Now, now let's see if we got what God has uttered, what God's going to do, and a time of refreshing. That's the first three verses. Beginning at verse 4, 
and going through the end of the psalm, that cycle is repeated. That cycle is repeated. What God has uttered, verse 4, if you'll just glance at verse 4, God's talking again. What God has uttered. What God's going to do, verse 5, and that's going to involve some enemies, verse 6, and then there's a time of refreshing again. A time of refreshment. This time it's not dew, it's a brook. A little gently flowing brook. Do y'all see it? What God uttered, what God's going to do, and a time of refreshing. Then it alternate. What God has uttered, what God's going to do, and then a time of refreshing. To write like that, it takes a literary genius. And I'm telling you, psalm after psalm after psalm, maybe not in an alternating pattern, other ways of doing it. The Holy Ghost has built order and logic and beauty into the Scriptures, into the Word of God. Around 25 times this psalm is quoted in the New Testament. That ought to make it special right there. Those seven short little verses keep popping up again and again and again. Especially, this might interest you, especially in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews, and everybody doesn't agree with Brother Bagel here. I sort of lean toward Pauline authorship yes, of Hebrews. Sounds like him. His vocabulary seems to be in use. Mentions Paul's young preacher boy, Timothy. We're not going back. Hebrews talks a lot, alludes a lot to Psalm 110. It is in my heart in these three services just to go through uh, this passage verse by verse. Um, actually, it is short enough we should be able to go through it line by line. That's my prayer anyway. So, where do we begin? Verse 1. Notice verse 1. The Lord said unto my Lord. The Lord said unto my Lord. You will immediately see that Lord, the first time the word is all caps, all capital letters. Jehovah. Jehovah. The, the Hebrew text, our King James translators worked out of a text called the Masoretic text. Yes. The Hebrew text, they held God's name so, so reverently. Number one, they would never say it. Number two, they would never even write it. I'm sure you're familiar with this, the scribes, without washing their hands. Then... They would write it. That word for Lord that is in all capitals is called the Tetragrammaton. 
tetragrammaton. What in the world is that? Tetra means four. Grammaton merely means letters. Tetragrammaton. It is written with four letters. Not a vowel involved. Hebrew is a language of consonants. There are no vowels in, in pure Hebrew. They were, later, they were later supplied. That's why we call it the Masoretic text by a group of scholars called the Masoretes. Y-H-V-H. That's that, that's that Hebrew noun. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Preacher, is it important? That name of God is used 6,000 519 times in the Old Testament. Sort of sounds important to me. 6,519 times. What does it mean? And there is the issue. Scholars have debated it. Theologians have studied it. What does the name Jehovah indicate? And then here comes Brother Bagwell and sloshing through the water, and he's going to try to tell you. There's no doubt that uh, built into the YHVH nomenclature, into that name of God, there is more than likely, I want to say positively, the little Hebrew verb haya. Haya, H A. I just said it didn't have vowels, didn't I? H-A-Y-A-H. -H. And what does Hayah mean? It is the Hebrew verb, I'll give you the infinitive, to be. To be. I don't understand that at all, preacher. Now, this is a crude attempt. Let me tell you what Jehovah means. I need an amen or a smile. He is the God. He's the God who is. Amen. To be. Let me add an adverb. He's the God who eternally is. Amen. I'm glad my God's not a has-been. Glad he's not a wannabe. I'm glad he is the eternal. Here's God's definition. I am that I am. Moses at the burning bush. Once at a motel, I was preaching a revival in Alabama. Ended the meeting on Sunday morning, began another meeting Sunday night. And preacher, I just needed a late checkout. That's all I needed. And uh, I was guaranteed, Steve, I was guaranteed a late checkout Saturday night. I just needed an hour so I could preach the morning service, get back to the room, change clothes, Take a suitcase to the car and be, yes, preacher, you can have it. Well, I went and preached, came back to the room. I was able to get into the room and uh, got ready to leave, went up there to check out, thank them for the, and the lady on duty said, whoa, 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 you're checking out too late. This is what she told me. She said, you will owe for another night. You try to get $80 out of a Baptist preacher. I'll tell you what, that takes some. I said, I'm not paying for another night. I was promised a late checkout. 
And then she wanted to argue and debate, and of course she can't do that. I learned something. The person who makes you the promise needs to be there when you check out. Are y'all getting that? He's the I am that I am. He's the one that made me the promise. He's the one that saved my soul from hell. I'm glad he's going to be there when I check out. Hallelujah. The eternal and almighty God. That's the idea. The Lord said unto my Lord. And, and Yahweh, capital L, capital O, capital R, it is an indication here. The context suggests of God the Father. God the Father. Amen. I mean, if you, if you guess, you say, get specific. This is God the Father. Although, having said that, I'm going to say this. There are many texts where the Jehovah of the Old Testament, I need an amen, is the Jesus of the New Testament. Right. But here in this, you got to read a passage in its setting in this context. God the Father is about to make an utterance. The Lord said unto my Lord, my Lord. That is the name Adonai, the capital L, small O, R, D, Adonai. The one in control, the master, the one who has dominion. Can I go a little bit out on a limb here? I think I can prove it biblically. We've got an instance here of God the Father speaking to God the Son. Preacher, I've invented a little description of that. I call it inner Trinitarian communication. <laughs> and we get to listen in on it. God the Father, Jehovah, said unto my Lord. And who is writing this psalm? A psalm of David said unto my Lord. I'm not sure David understood everything. He is called a prophet, you know, that he wrote. But the Holy Ghost sure knew where he was going with that. The Lord said unto my Lord. Now we got to quickly look at what the Father is saying to the Son. It is one of those sections of the psalm that, uh, that is quoted again and again and again and again in the New Testament. But I, I want to do something first. I am, say, preacher, I, I don't understand that. God the Father is talking to God the Son. The Lord said unto my Lord, and, and this happened in the day of David. Let me give you in round figures, David, 1000 B.C. I mean, that might not hit it exactly, but it's close enough, round 1000 B.C. If this helps, Abraham, 2000 B.C. Uh, Joshua, around 1500 B.C., Moses and Joshua. 
Um, Adam, well, this will, this would choke a liberal. About 4,000 B.C., about 6,000 years ago. Are y'all with me? You're telling me, David, a thousand years before Jesus was born, a thousand years before the virgin birth, is telling us what God the Father said unto God the Son. That's exactly what it's, it's called. It, by the way, that's a miracle right there. It's called the miracle of Bible prophecy. Amen. Would you have a little fun with me? Go to Psalm 2. I should have thought of this in advance. I should have made a little chart. I could hold up. Go to Psalm 2. Psalm 2. And while you're turning to Psalm 2, let me say something about this beautiful chapter. It's got 12 verses. I'm pretty sure about this. In the, in the first three verses, a lost world is talking. A rebellious world is talking. In the next three verses, God the Father is talking. I'm taking too long. In the next three verses, God the Son. And in the last three verses, God the Holy Spirit. It is a beautiful passage of Scripture. Not only written well, but built well. Uh, look at verse 7, Psalm 2, verse 7. I will declare the decree. Y'all see it, Psalm 2, 7. The Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son. Let's see if we can figure that out. The Lord said unto me, Thou art my son, and I do believe that that noun son is capitalized. That's God the Father talking to God the Son. <laughs> Thousand years before Jesus was born, Thou art my son, this day I've begotten thee, ask of me, I'll give thee the heathen, the Gentiles for thine inheritance the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Can I make an announcement? God the Father is still going to give His Son this whole world. Amen. And He will rule it with the rod of a... That's God the Father talking to God the Son. Y'all got time to reverse it? I'd sort of like to... Let's see if we can find one where God the Son... Is talking to God the Father. Y'all pray I don't flub this up real bad. Try Psalm 40. Try Psalm 40 if you would please. About verse 6. About verse 6. Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Let me tell you what has just been said. Father, you don't get your greatest delight and desire out of the sacrifice of bulls and goats and sheep. Mine ears hast thou opened. Whoever's talking, preacher, it's Jesus. 
mine ears hast thou opened. Burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required. Watch verse 7. It's quoted in Hebrews 10, and it's applied directly to Jesus. Then said I, this is Jesus talking to his Father. Then said I, lo, I come. Amen. I come. And boy, did he come. <laughs> he came virgin born. Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Thy law is there is Jesus talking to his Father. Do y'all see it? Amen. I hope you do. And the Psalter is filled with inner Trinitarian communion. You know what I'm trying to think of, preacher? And it's here. Did God the Father ever speak to Jesus when Jesus was on earth? Thou art my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Did Jesus ever speak to his Father? Glorify thy name, he said one day. In fact, on Calvary, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Enter Trinitarian communion. Y'all okay? Amen. Um, oh boy. It's the way 1 John starts. 1 John chapter 1. John says, now, John's a southerner right now. Okay, y'all. John says, hey, y'all. I want us to have fellowship together, brothers, and don't forsake our assembly. I want us to love one another. And we'll be fellowshipping one another and truly, get this, it'll knock you over. Our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. God the Father and God the Son are communing and fellowshipping right now, and I just got an invitation to get in on it. And so do you. And we can do that. Thank God we can do that through His precious Word. Mm. I hate to say this, back to Psalm 110. I shouldn't have left it. <clears throat> back to Psalm 110. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou, oh, 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 before I read any further, sit thou. One day Jesus used this verse, the Lord. The Pharisees, I'm going to give you the context in, in just a minute. The Pharisees had been dogging him and, and criticizing him. They would ask him questions trying to trick him, tempt him. They'd send a lawyer, uh, what is the greatest commandment? And such. If you want to look at it, it's in Matthew chapter 22. And if, if not... If you'll just stay with me, I'll, i got to explain it. You know what? What we're looking at tonight and what we've read tonight and what we're going to be reading during, during this session, these words have been viewed by the eyes of the Son of God. He read this line before the Lord said unto my Lord.
And preacher, he not only read it, he thought about it. Yes, sir. He meditated on it. He pondered it. And I hope you'll smile. He figured it out. <laughs> God has said unto me, Hey, Lord, a lawyer asked him a question, tempting him. In Matthew 22, verse 41. Listen. While the Pharisees were gathered together, I love it when the Lord just stomps them, just outreasons them. When the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, Preacher, this is wisdom. What think ye of Christ, whose son is he? That is a loaded question right there. What think ye of Christ, whose son is he? Christ, Messiah. They don't believe it. They're rejecting him. I need an amen. But they're talking to the Messiah. What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? And they got the answer. I got him. They said, he's the son of David. He's the son of David. Now, technically, Matthew 1, 1, talking about Jesus, does say, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. But watch this, what the Lord does. They said, the son of David. Then Jesus said unto them, how then does David in spirit, in the Holy Ghost, call him Lord? Saying, saying, the Lord said, un, said unto my Lord, sit thou. How did David call him Lord if he is simply David's son? Here's the issue. They were willing to admit that the Messiah would be the son of David. But they're not willing to admit the pre-eternal existence of the darling Son of God, of the Messiah. And Jesus just said, how in the world does David call him Lord if he's David's son somewhere down the line? Sounds like Jesus is eternal, doesn't it? The Messiah is eternal. What a brilliant man. What a... What a man of wisdom. He sure did increase in wisdom. Statue and in favor with God. And back to verse 1. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. A lot about enemies in this psalm. Sit thou at my right hand This did not happen sometime in eternity past. I'm sure of it. This did not happen the day of the virgin birth. This did not happen. I do not believe that it happened as Jesus hung on the cross of Calvary. This happened at a precise time in the ministry of our Lord. I'm going to tell you when it happened and go back and reason with you, okay? It happened, I hope I get three or four amen, when he ascended to glory. Amen. When he ascended 
to glory. If we had time tonight, I think we would go to Romans chapter 1, I believe it's verse 4. In so many words, Romans 4 says that uh, the resurrection is God's report card on how Jesus handled the old rugged cross. Let me just go ahead and tell you how Jesus died, how he handled it, what kind of he got an A plus. Hundred percent. God declared him, declared him to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. Amen. Je oh, see, everything keeps backing up. You're saying Jesus died right? I'm saying he died right, but he couldn't have died right if he hadn't lived right. Amen. Now we're back in the book of Leviticus looking at those offerings, and, and, and that is certainly not where we can go tonight. Died on the cross, shed his blood for our redemption, and God raised him from the dead. Is that, everybody here sure y'all do believe in the literal, physical resurrection of Jesus? And I could be mean. I could say, if you're saved, you believe in it. And I'm not going to say that. <laughs> but that's not all. The Lord stayed on this earth for 40 days. Probably because 40 is the number of testing throughout Scripture. Right? 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus, 40 days in the wilderness, and we're not in numerology tonight. 40 days. And he appeared at will to his own. But at the end of that 40 days, <coughs> our Lord stepped out on the Mount of Olives. Four Gospels, only two record the ascension. I'm thinking, what in the world? John doesn't tell us about it. Matthew, does. Luke, he's your ascension man. And Mark, of course, if you've got, if you're a liberal, you don't believe Mark told about it because they believe Mark chapter 16 ends at verse 9. I want to make an announcement. It does not end at verse 9. The ascension of our Lord. And he ascended, by the way, there is another report card on how well Jesus died. God raised him from the grave, and God lifted him. God ascended him all the way to glory. And when Jesus ascended to heaven, you got it right here. The first thing God said to his son was, Son, sit thou on my right hand Amen. until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And I know when Stephen died, we're all aware. But as far as I know right now, our Savior is sitting at God the Father's right. Could I make an announcement? He didn't go to heaven and retire. Amen. He didn't go to heaven and just bask in the glory that is rightly His. He is still busy. He is still working. He is still serving. Oh boy, listen to this. 
Paul asked the question. That's why I see Paul in Hebrews so closely intertwined. If God be for us, who can be against us? Brian, that, that worried me sometimes. If God be for us, I, I've said it. Don't you worry about whether God's for you. You just better be sure you're for God. That's what you better do. I just tear it up, you know. But I can't. If God be for us, how can God be for us? There's only one way. That's through the blood of Jesus. The number of times in the book of Hebrews that preface for us for us. When Jesus went to heaven, sat down at the right hand of God the Father, He ever liveth, preacher, you read the verse tonight, to make intercession, don't forget, for us. For us. For us. This sitting at the right hand of God is in preparation of Jesus, and we'll see it in verse 4, becoming our great High priest, our great high priest. It just seems like I'm all over the Bible tonight. Would you all look at one verse with me in Romans 5? If you don't mind, and, and if you say, well, I'd just rather not be turning everywhere, I'll read it to you. Romans 5. Romans 5. Uh, I think it's verse 10 that I need. Preacher, two weeks ago, the Lord let me preach through Romans 5. Every, every single verse. Only got 21 verses. Oh, did I learn. I feel like I learned a lot. Verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Amen. Can, I, can I pause just a second? I want to give you that word reconciled. How many of you, are, how many of you have been reconciled tonight? Synonym for me. Katalasso. i got to show you. Katalasso literally means to trade places. It literally means to trade places. You know what God did on Calvary? You know what Jesus did for us? Give me your sin. Give me your filth. And I'll give you my righteousness. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. God made him to be sin for us. That we might be made the righteousness. Reconcile. Romans 5 10. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, oh, look at that, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His, I'm going to need that word supplied, we shall be saved by His what? By His life. It's why Jesus said at the right hand of God the Father, He not only did great things for us, getting us saved by His death, He is still doing great things for us, and He is now accomplishing it by His life. Amen. By His life. 
I'm not against. You'll never hear me minimize Calvary. No, not in my lifetime. Not going to do it. But I do think we're guilty of only looking backward and not remembering. Can I put it this way? He's still at it. He hadn't quit yet. He is for us, for us in heaven right now. This trip through Hebrews, the meditation, I'm asking the Lord, I ask Him today driving to, to give me more truth, to give me more depth in what Jesus is doing right now at the right hand. He didn't go to heaven and take over. He didn't go to heaven and say, get out of the way, Gabriel, and Michael, move. I'm going to sit on my fire. He is invited. Sit thou on my right hand. You know why he's at the Father's right hand tonight? I need some amens. Because he earned it. He earned it. God the Father. Oh, what an honor. He sit thou on my right hand. Can I give you quickly, and I've got some things I want to say about the right hand. I think I've been preaching 35 minutes, something like that. Somewhere in that vicinity. Give or take a little. Y'all okay? I mean, what you going to do? It's pouring out there anyway. <laughs> You got to drive back home tonight, Brian. Um, one thing that we can be crystal clear: we shall be saved by His life. And the odd thing about it, it is an illustration of what He's doing now. But Steve, it happened. That's my brother. Steve, it happened during His earthly Luke twenty-three. Everybody knows the scripture, but let me observe something. Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you, putting you through the ringer, through the, that he may sift you as wheat. Probably not an un, a, a very pleasant experience, rather unpleasant. Um, Old Dr. M. R. DeHaan published a book called Simon Peter, Sinner or Saint. And this is what he says. He says, whenever the Lord calls him Peter, he's doing all right. He's firing on all eight cylinders. Peter. Peter. But whenever he gets that Simon, Simon business, that's his old name. He's in some trouble. The flesh. Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. And then listen to this. I'll need an amen. Y'all know what's going But I have prayed for you. Yes, sir. <laughs> Preacher, would you notice the Lord is praying for him before he gets sifted? He didn't say, boy, you're in the ringer. I better pray for you. He desires to have, I've been praying for you before it hit. 
Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. I'm glad my high priest knows when it's coming. He knows about and he's already praying for me. We shall be saved. And that word doesn't mean you go back and get saved a second time. You can't get saved. It means you will be delivered, rescued, given victory by his life. Oh, oh, oh I didn't finish it. Satan had said, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. I, I really believe this. We look around tonight. You're a, you're a far above average crowd. This weather, Thursday night revival. I got a text a little while ago. And I, said, I know you don't preach on Thursday night, surely. Yeah. I had a preacher tell me, he said, I'll never go through Thursday or Friday night at our church. I said, they just won't come. They just won't say, oh, here you are. Amen. Um, that thy faith fell not. I really believe your faith is what it is. And preacher, it's a strong faith. Faithful to the glory of God. Uh, I believe our faith is what it is because he's been praying for us. Yes, Listen to it. Amen. That thy faith fail not. Amen. Then Jesus said, and when thou art converted, and a lot of people say, you know, that means he got saved. No, he didn't. That's not the word. When you've got the victory, when you've turned, sure. strengthen thy brethren. The Lord is also, God's not only praying for his faith, he's praying for his strength. Sure. Strengthen thy brethren. We wouldn't have the strength we got were he not praying for us. Amen. We wouldn't have the faith. Amen. Not that, not that we have got tons of faith. We wouldn't have the faith we have were He not praying for us. The Lord said unto my Lord, "Sit thou on my right hand. Sit thou on my." I was going to say, "Why is my Bible in Romans?" But I took us there, didn't I? Sit thou at my right hand right hand now I suspect any commentary is going to remark upon the fact that the right hand is always indicative of strength and power and might and indeed it is although please smile at me I do believe God's probably ambidextrous <laughs> I might need about as strong on the left as I sit on my right hand. Not only is Jesus invited to sit on the Father's right hand, I'll guarantee I believe Jesus is God's I believe Jesus is God's right hand man. Amen. I think I can prove to you from Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53, verse number one. Who will believe our report? Write it, Isaiah, but nobody's going to believe it. Who will believe our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? 
And for the next 11 verses, he's revealing the arm of the Lord. Yes, sir. And he's talking Jesus, Jesus. I believe Jesus is. Think of this. Anything mighty God has ever done, he used his right arm. He used his Savior. He used our Savior, his son, to get him. You say, well, preacher, I don't know about that. God created this world. Yeah, and he used Jesus to do it. Without him was not anything made that was made. Then he had a crowd of human beings that needed to get saved, wanting to shed blood so any sinner could get blood. And he used his right, he used Jesus to get that done too. What if he decides he wants to come back and get us? Guess who he's going to use to do that? It'll be the same one. The Lord himself. But what I wanted to say, not just strength and power, the right hand is also undoubtedly the hand of purity, holiness, and cleanliness. I need to make a statement, and I've got to make it carefully, tactfully. Don't anybody ask for more information. You ain't getting it. A Jew never cleaned himself with his right hand. Never. 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 The right hand is purity and cleanliness. Could I tell you something about my Savior sitting at the Father's right hand? He is holiness personified. Yes, Amen, Lord. It me when I hear him say, His holiness this and His holiness. There is no man worthy of the title. His, there's only one holy one. I mean, way back when Jesus had not yet been born, Mary called that holy thing. He is the holy thing of God. Totally different, separate than anybody else. Sit thou on my right hand. Really, that's where we are right now. Jesus at the Father's right hand. Jesus overseeing us, praying for us. But I do want to get through with verse 1 anyway. Till, till I make thine enemies thy footstool. Till I make, and, and in Hebrews, Jesus is expecting that his enemies will be made his footstool. He is overseeing, interceding, serving as our great high priest right now. But one of these days, may not be long, one of these days, God's going to. And I don't know we're talking rapture as much as revelation. White horse out of glory. God Almighty in heaven is going to send Jesus back to this world. We're back in Psalm 2. Rod of iron. He'll, he'll beat them. Uh, I use the word smithereens. Like, like you, you, you crack pottery into hundreds of pieces, shreds, of, and, uh, and uh, every nail bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. High priest for you, God's for us. I'd hate to be, I'd hate to be the crowd he's against, wouldn't you? 
until I make thine enemies thy foot. And that's beautiful. It's quaint. And where you, until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The, the, the actual terminology used there, both in Greek and Hebrews, and, and, and uh, in the book of Hebrews, and it, I will put your enemies under your feet. And that's where they get the analogy, under your feet. But I think this might do it better. You ever see kids that are out in the yard and they're playing, can you say this, cops and robbers, or they're playing, uh, they're playing uh, cowboys and Indians, can you say that? <laughs> they're on the battlefield playing soldier, whatever, and you conquer your enemy. I can see a little kid doing that, he's got his little sword, and he goes, puts that foot on top of the vanquished foe. The Lord's coming back. And he's going to make everything right. Amen. Right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I'm thinking of Genesis 3.15. The devil, he'll bruise your heel, but you will crush his head. Amen. Take that, Satan. Hallelujah to God. That is the first movement, the first basic statement of Psalm 110. We have not gotten yet to his priesthood precisely. That'll be verse 4, when God speaks again. But I look forward to it, the Lord willing, as the week unfolds. The way I'm going, it must be a two-week meeting. We will speed up, the Lord willing. Aren't you glad God's got it all under control? Yes, right. Amen, Lord. He's going to deal with the enemies one of these days. May we bow our heads and may we close our eyes together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, you had it all figured out. You knew from the beginning Jesus is a lamb as a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Still died for everybody, shed his blood that whosoever will may come. Oh, Father, cause us to love him, to thank you for him. In Jesus' name, we pray. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com. Oh, yeah.